Seventh Avenue Pizza, the official pizza of the Soda Pod. The Soda Pod, the official beer and hockey podcast of Seventh Avenue Pizza. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. It's MNC Dubois back to you in 2024 after some time off with the holidays and the new year. So happy new year to all of you with you again, your host, Nick Max. And I'm joined by once again, our NCHC guru, Max Veach. Uh, Meeks, welcome back. Happy new year to you as well, kind sir. <laughs> Did I hear a Meeks come out of you? I, I like Maybe. It. Maybe. I don't know. Um. <laughs> uh, I personally, I'm doing very well in 2024. You know, we're we're eight days into it as of the recording of this year. So I'm looking forward to some of the prospects. I'm looking forward to leaving the past in the past uh, and building on on that as far as a UMD front is, is considered. So uh, could be better, but but good nonetheless. How about yourself? Not bad. Um, I'm getting old. We'll put it to you that way. Oh, um, same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess it happens every day, apparently. Um, yeah. Let's just say that um have a couple of muscle sprains um, oh, in, no. in the back, and it's been about two weeks. And um, it's not those stories that you go and brag about, like, hey, I wrestled a bear to, you know, save a niece or a nephew, or, yeah. you know, you were, I don't know. It just, wasn't pretty. We'll put it to you that way. You wake up and all of a sudden half your body doesn't want to move. And then you're like, how did that happen? I don't know. Like a um, buddy of mine, he threw his back out sneezing. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, that that I have it's not tough. heard of. But I, it's I, tough. that makes sense, actually, yeah. when you think yeah. about the uh, the human body. Um, yeah. But, you know, this isn't a medical podcast, Max Veach. We're not here right. to to uh to gloom over the uh the aging two of us but we are here to talk about some things in the nchc and we're going to first start off with uh minnesota duluth um who had a couple of games while we were away we had a the uh, icebreaker tournament that they finished third in and then had uh, most recently an exhibition game against st thomas and um well you know you opened with the fact that you were going to leave the past in the past uh, i we have to get through this one first, though. <laughs> um, the good news is it doesn't count, Max. But uh, I, I think overall, I, I think the fan base wanted a better result, even though the game doesn't count. Regardless, it was more the fact that, again, it's it's you, you worry about the mental status of the team right now heading into the second half. Yeah, I was going to try and force out some sort of an exhausted sigh and a, a nice long moment of silence here for, for that game because that's about <laughs> all I've got for it. Um, as bad as a 3-1 loss to St. Thomas really seems, there's a couple positives. Um, not that this is necessarily a positive. First CCHA loss of the year, and it doesn't count, so there's there's something. Uh, but good, Will good Francis... Makes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Will Francis makes his, his season debut here after being out, obviously, with uh, leukemia treatment beforehand. So it was great to see him back on the ice. It was limited minutes and all that, and you can say whatever you want from you know the actual product on the ice there. But just seeing him there with the team meant a ton to him, meant a ton to the program, all the fans. They were, they've always been behind him the whole way here. So loved seeing that. Um, Braden Fisher, I believe, uh, first goal. Unfortunately, it doesn't count officially, but <laughs> nice to get one in the back then that for him there. Um, Zach Sandy finally seeing some time there, half a game after Tyson started the first first half. So 
Um, it was good. Change of pace. Uh, I wish they would have come out with a little bit more intensity. I think they kind of controlled the first period there. And then after that, um, it was one bad bounce. St. Thomas scores, I think, on a rebound after that, that attempt got him down the ice there. Um, and then after that, it felt like they were chasing the whole time and, and never really regrouped as far as playing their own game. So um, not not what you want to see. Um, they've, they've typically not played super well coming from behind already to this point in the year, and it seems like that's going to continue. Um, but it, it's not the worst I've seen them this year. I mean, St. Thomas is a much improved team as much as the, you know, losing to a third-year um, D1 program doesn't sound awesome. And, you know, the the um, unfair stereotype probably for, for St. Thomas comes, comes around. Uh, but they're a good program now. They've given some some much better teams than UMD some fits already this year. So um, I don't like it, but it's it's not killing me inside. Again, it doesn't matter from the overall record, but uh, I really wish they would use this game for a little bit more of a, a tune-up to get ready for the ones that do matter starting this weekend. And uh, let's just say this. Uh, you're facing a, 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 a CC Tiger squad next weekend under the gate that um as the time of this recording already took one away from the gophers they're yep. in game number two on a monday night kind of a an interesting schedule there for oh, both chris bob Motsko special he knew he was yeah. gonna have guys gone he's like let's push this series to a sunday monday cc said yeah sure of course we'll we'll accommodate that and then um you know they took advantage of a couple of tired guys coming back from world juniors and got one win and um the Minnesotan in me obviously wants the Gophers to win. The Bulldog fan in me wants CC to win because uh, it, it just it doesn't affect the NCHC rankings. Uh, so it's not really going to affect their standing in their own conference there. And if UMD can get wins against a higher ranked team like CC is going to be, it's going to be better for them in the pairwise. So um, I'll be happy either way. But I, I hope CC keeps playing well this weekend or the previous weekend by the time you're listening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Max, I, I want to stick on this just for a second because uh, Chris Mayotte had some interesting words about yeah. those intra-conference scheduling. And, uh, you know, it's you get the sense he kind of almost said the quiet part out loud, right? Which is, oh, yeah. you know, the, there's some gamesmanship in these non-conference schedules and there's some teams that are maybe a little bit more protective of their non-conferences. I, I don't know. What did you take from that for maybe those who hadn't seen or heard of the the, the comments from Chris Mayotte? Yeah, I mean, I don't have the wording in front of me verbatim, but long story short, it seemed to be on the, the the tone of, hey, they'll come here to Colorado once and we have to go there twice every time we renew these contracts. And um, it, I get why Minnesota and Moscow want to do that. And if you want to play that team and they're one of the teams that everybody wants to play, you have the ability to kind of dictate those terms. That being said, they're a big 10 school. They've got infinite money. They they can make as many road trips as they want. So having other teams being forced to do that, maybe not the best for the sport overall. And I think that's kind of where he was getting at with some of these things. And it's really tough for a program that is, you know, one of the furthest West in the country to be on the road for this long over and over and over again. So to, to sign up for a two for one there, um, it, it's always tough to do no matter who you're playing. Um, so I, I think there is a little bit of, of credibility and some some you know justification for the the comments that he had there. Um, Gophers fans are you know sitting in their their ivory tower saying if you want to come play us you got to come play us. But um, I, I think for the the betterment of the sport, I, I think some of these Big Ten teams are going to have to be willing um, to to sacrifice a little bit more time on the road 
and grow the game in in some other markets there. Not that CC or Colorado needs you know more fans. I think they've got a good fan base there. But as just um, in general, that comment I think is, is going to be more and more important um, once we start branching out into some of the areas where it's not uh, as traditional of a of a hockey market, at least at the collegiate level. And you kind of wonder, Max, and this is kind of a side note before we get to uh, some other notes with UMD hockey. Yeah. Um, with, you know, I think college hockey in general, right? You know, before the pandemic, it was, you know, road trips out east and maybe to the Alaskas. And, yeah. you know, the the teams, you know, obviously they don't love it, but they were willing to do it. And you kind of wonder right. with sort of the aftermath of the pandemic. And I'm not sure if I'm taking this too far or I'm just me thinking outside the box here, but it seems like at least from my perspective that teams aren't as willing to do that anymore. And I don't know if that's just, you know, just what we've went through or is this sort of a new approach or is this now because of the pandemic happened, you know, uh, budgets are tighter. I don't know, but do you get the same sense that, you know, and, and maybe we're just not out far enough from the pandemic yet that teams aren't quite ready to take those long trips or do you really think there's a conscious decision about staying closer? I think there is a, a conscious decision, at least right now, to keep teams a little bit closer. And I, I see it a lot more with the Minnesota schools and Michigan, just because you have so many options right around here. And you see it on the East Coast all the time. You get these, they don't even play series half the time out there. They'll have those one-off games where they're playing something, somebody different every night, especially in the ECAC. Um, not so much in Hockey East. But um, it it is something that I think schools are taking advantage of now more because they saw how much it impacted their bottom lines during COVID or some of these other times where they were forced to do it. So it has crept in a little bit. I think we're going to start to see the pendulum swing back, maybe not next year, but in the future when we see some more, you know, mixing it up in, in some of these other um, um, interconference play series. Uh, but even then, right now, like you saw it with UMD this year, they they played a ton of CCHA schools because they're closer and it's cheaper, and those schools want to stay closer and, and be cheaper as well. So it's benefited quite a few of the schools. But as somebody who likes to see, you know, uh, new opponents or maybe not new, just teams you haven't played in a while, I, I really do hope that they get back to some more of that, you know, interconference play where um, UMD is playing some people from um, Atlantic Hockey or Hockey East. They they got some in this mix-up tournament there that that they played over the over the I guess December 28th and 29th um, a while ago. But um, yeah, I, I I want some more uh, variety. Variety is the spice of life, after all. Uh, so I I want to see the, the schedules mixed up just a little bit more. And um, the further away that we get, or the more teams that we get introduced to to college hockey, I think that that's going to happen more, and it's only going to help can't uh, disagree with you on that one i really do think that and plus you know not like a direct but it kind of helps us to see where really the powerhouses yeah. are right when you mix up the west and the east um but either way that's the world we live in right max at the current yep. age um which is sort of ironic because umd fans are sort of in the same spot meaning they're looking ahead a little bit um yep. you know the season's been tough uh, it's been well documented um problems up and down the ice um, consistency hasn't been there um, but as we were talking pre-show max um, if the darkest time of the day is just before the sunrise i think we're getting close to that and i think what we're gonna try to take a look at is some of the you know perhaps names are going to be coming through umd i really do think you're gonna have a really big jolt of talent coming in possibly as early as next year and i think if you're really as a umd fan looking somewhere to be positive 
you know, there's still time, number one, this season. You don't want to completely write off this year, but know that right. even if this season doesn't turn around, there isn't much in terms of a postseason um, or shall we say much of a fight in the NCHC. Uh, better times are coming and they're coming soon. Yeah, uh, we'll get into some of the other names here just in terms of where UMD is at right now. Um, I'm going to maybe go back to last year and this year, I guess it's kind of a mix. Seeing Isaac Howard succeed um, in the past six months since the season started and the World Juniors especially has been um, really good. Obviously, he was only at UMD for a year, but there was a lot of lead up as a UMD prospect. People love the story and everything else. He's got an incredible waggle hat now. They just had a a recent release of a sponsor of a lot of the stuff that we do here. So I would say that it it, it is very nice. It's almost like an ex-girlfriend you keep in touch with or you just kind of follow on social media. It's it's nice to see them succeed. It wasn't like a tumultuous split or anything like that. There's no real bad blood regardless of of how things went there. So um, it's when you get to these points in the season where UMD is struggling that you're like, man, it would be really nice to have that guy on board still and producing at that same rate. Not to say that he would in this style of offense, but um, he seems to be doing just fine in in the world stage and in, and in college as well. So um, what UMD does have, though, Ben Steves. I mean, he's he's fourth in the nation in goals overall. He's third in power play goals. And as far as power play goals go, the only two people above him have played two and four more games. So he is in the elite level as far as, you know, goal scoring, especially on the special teams go. Um, we've seen it time in and time out last year. He set UMD's freshman record aside from Brett Hull. Um, and it's, it's just nice to see that kind of consistency out of at least one player on, on, on UMD's um, squad, because where they're struggling is what we've talked about, you know, time and time again, at least I have anyway, I know some other people don't think it's that big of a deal, but um, if you were to base wins, um, in college hockey on faceoffs, which is a stupid thing to do, but it's, it's to prove a point here, they would be six and 14. They're at a 44 and a half percent clip at on, on the dot winning those faceoffs. So Harvard, Mercyhurst, Augustana, and Stonehill. Those are the only four teams that are worse than UMD is right now. One of those schools is brand new this year. One of those teams is Stonehill and pardon my French, but Stonehill sucks. They're terrible. They're they have yet to win. They have yet to be close to winning games. I, I just, to have that, those two teams and, and Mercyhurst, they're whatever. To have those teams be the only ones below you in college hockey, that's tough. That's something that's that should be a red flashing light with alarms and bells ringing telling you, we need to improve here. Um, shots, shots isn't much better as far as umd goes um they would be eight nine and three if that was the determining factor for their record their shooting percentage is only at 9.1 percent there's only 20 teams below them there and none of those teams are ranked so um they're 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 things that are part of a bigger picture but they're very very bad at those specific things and those need to improve if they're going to be uh, more successful in in these games moving forward and I think that's becoming much, much more evident as far as what specifically is an issue. And, you know, talking about some of these um, incoming players, I, I think that it's going to be a big help. And I, I really think it's going to be um, a huge improvement starting as soon as, like you said, next year. So um, if you've got anybody specific that you want to talk about, I'm, I'm more than happy to, to clean, I've got a few. Uh, or, or put a shine <laughs> on that as, as much as we can. 
Yeah. So now, mind yeah. you, when we yeah. talk about these by these names here, uh, you know, we have to first know that, you know, these players haven't, at least to our knowledge, signed an NLI that there's, you know, these are merely verbal commitments. Things can change. Um, and more so um, what we don't know exactly when they're going to join UMD. There's some projections that are out there, um, but I think there's going to be a couple yeah. of names I cover here, Max, that you're going to yeah. be very familiar with. I think the first thing we want to talk about is Adam Gagin. Again, the Chicago Blackhawks draft pick, uh, the goaltender out of Slovakia. Um, he's six foot three um, and he's good. Uh, again, was part of the world juniors this, uh, this past yeah. <laughs> uh, couple of weeks. And uh, you know, if, if there's anything in why I bring up the goaltender first, right. I'm not bringing up a power forward, which you, you've got a, plenty of those coming in or defensemen is Scott Sandlin's yep. whole system revolves around great goaltending. You just haven't had that, yep. you know, in the last couple of years. And I think Adam Gajan is going to be a, a big key to turn this around. And uh, he's got NHL level credentials all over his name. Um, so let's talk about Adam Gajan because you've had your eye on him. I know for the last couple of years too, watching him in junior hockey. Yeah, I would say he he lights it up. You see the posts in you know the regular season play that he has over and over and over again, week in and week out. Green Bay just just has nothing but good things to say about him, and that's for an obvious reason. I mean, it becomes more evident when you put him on that World Junior stage against the best talent in the world, and he's getting shutouts at that stage. It's it's incredible what he's able to do. Um, the Blackhawks have him locked up in terms of a, a you know a signing his rights and everything else. Obviously, he doesn't have a contract signed with them yet, but. Uh, I think that that is imminent um, given what they've got right now. And that can obviously change in the future, but I want him to be at UMD for as long as possible. If he can stick around for three years, as far as a starter goes, I would be ecstatic four years. I would be living a dream. Uh, the, the kid has the best goalie sense I've seen since we've had a, a Hunter Shepard. I, I would put him on the same level as a, a Ryan Fancy. I don't know about, you know, how his size is going to, uh, how fast that's going to come along with it. His height's there. I think he's got a little bit more to go in terms of his ability to to kind of move around at a quicker rate, but he doesn't need to improve much. I mean, he's shown that already. So um, I think it is as surefire of a goaltender prospect as as anybody's got in, in college hockey coming up right now. And um, I feel incredibly lucky to have him, um, you know, waiting in the wings to take over here. I don't want to, you know, talk too poorly about the the people we've got. I think Stasekull has been good in his own, right? He's, um, just had a 33 save, like 973 um, win against Air Force. It must have been, but you know, UMD's at uh, n- yeah 903 overall this year. They're they're above 900, which is one of the staples of you have to have a 900 goalie or goaltending tandem in order to win national championships. And you know, in more cases than not, you're going to be you know you're going to want to be much better than that. But it's a starting point, and I think he's easily going to hit that and and be able to to step in. To, to a improved role or improved statistics beyond on that um, in this first year. So uh, I'm excited about that. As excited as I am about any other player that's coming in, um, he would be probably at the top of the list. And that's crazy to say, given all the you know scoring and aptitude that we've talked about so far. Um, but uh, I, I think it's a, a marketed improvement um, or potential for uh, versus what we've seen in the past two years here. Another guy I want to highlight is, you know, we we talk so highly of Ben Steves, and again, he's got the credentials on his goal scoring, but, you know, I don't want to say he's a one-man show, but clearly he's a big driver of the offense, and um, shall I say this, it's tough to win when you're one-dimensional, you know, in the sense of, 
you know, yep. you don't have a lot of supporting cast help for goal scoring. Uh, I think there's a gentleman that's coming through uh, a local kid to Hermanton High. How about Zam Plant here, Max Veach? Um, as a senior at uh, Hermanton High School back a couple of years ago, in 20 games, 61 points, 29 goals, 32 assists. Um, uh, check that. That was his junior year. His senior year, sorry, was 24 goals, 48 points for 64 points in 22 games. Um, he spent the last couple of years also in the U Shell, uh, a couple of games in Chicago, and then now most recently with Fargo. And with uh, 26 games into his um, yep. season this year, 14 goals, 18 assists, 32 points, so over a point per game player. Um, you talk about a guy that can come in who's got the scoring cred. Um, obviously, he has to accumulate to the Division One game, but he would be a great addition up front to Minnesota Duluth, who, again, um, has some skill, but unfortunately, just a little bit thin at that as well. Yeah, I mean, he's he's proven at every level so far, and, you know, I don't, I don't want to put Minnesota State high school hockey any higher than it really needs to be, but it's great in terms of the, the, the country and how it produces talent. It is one of the best in the single-A level. I know there's going to be a lot of double-A you know, elitists out there, but even when you're able to, su- 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 <laughs> to succeed wow, at the single-A level, the way that he did, um, it, it, it shows, you know, greatly in terms of the, the hockey prowess that you're able to have. And to be able to continue that at the junior level is even better. So Pittsburgh obviously saw that they picked him up or picked his rights up again. Um, and he's, he's proved that that was a smart investment, at least to this point, he's got a little bit of growing to do. And that always happens when you've got these guys that they're sitting down and there's a reason that, you know, Sandal and a lot of these coaches want them to be down there. Um, he's 5'10", 170, as far as what's listed on elite prospects right here, but you're going to see that ish quote-unquote issue with a lot of the guys that are on here even if they don't grow up height wise they need to fill out a little bit more get their legs under them a little bit more and uh, a little bit more core stability to be able to fight in the corners and around some of these guys out on the ice and um he has put on quite a bit since since he was out of high school here um and i think he's been playing with the guys or around guys that he would be seeing at the college level and he's ready to make the jump so i have no doubt that he'll be able to come in and be a key contributor right away Last one that will highlight you know, the, the biggest. Yeah, the biggest thing I think he'll be able to contribute is at the center position. We just talked about the faceoffs. He is incredible. The stick work that he has and positioning and able to win draws is something that is going to be necessary. I, I, I don't want to say he's going to be you know on the second line or first line right on his first year there, but I think there's an opportunity that the door is open if he can prove that he can win draws. There's no reason to keep him out of that spot. And I, th- I think they need somebody like that um, soon. <laughs> yeah. Not soon enough, right, Max? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. to your point, um, Jason Shogaby is the last one I want to touch on um, as we're getting close to, uh, shall we say, the 11th hour here on MNCAA yeah. before we talk another conference here on our first episode back from the holiday break. Um, Shogaby, again, uh, War Road High School. Um, was okay, uh, 96 points in 31 games in his senior season yep. just a couple of years ago. That's pretty decent. Um, but he's been a different player going into junior hockey, right? Was more of the, you know, he had goal scoring, but he had a lot of assists. And we're starting to see him be more of a distributor here. So far through 29 games this year with the Green Bay Gamblers, four goals, 21 assists, 25 points in 29 games. That's still pretty good. And this is where 
Max, when you make the jump or when you get to, you know, sort of the junior level or maybe a triple A level, your game starts to kind of maybe evolve a little bit. And for Shugaby, he's only listed at 5'9", 165. Again, I'm not sure how accurate that is. Um, some of this information we get isn't always on point. Um, I wouldn't necessarily yeah. expect him this next year if that's the case he still has another year of junior hockey eligibility to his credit uh but if that is also the case um in order to score you need someone to get you the puck and um it should be when he's ready um he's a guy that can at least from what we have seen over the past couple of seasons the guy that knows how to feed pucks to goal scorers and uh can really uh, open things up for umb's offense yeah um I, I went to the state hockey tournament last year and saw him in that throughout every game, but in that championship game specifically, they didn't end up winning. But, you know, throughout the year and in that tournament, he was the facilitator. Carson Pilgrim was the one that was finding the back of the net. But without Chagabe there, it would be a, a little bit different story. And I think we're seeing that this year with Warroad, um, not that they're doing bad by any means, but it's a different style of play that they're having to adapt to. So. Um, he's carried that on and honed it and gotten even better at it at that junior level. So being a facilitator and finding guys that are open and being able to make plays, whether you're drawing attention off of them or sneaking it through uh, the defensive walls that are there, um, he's been able to do it either way. And um, I, I think that that's going to only help out. I mean, him and Zam know each other growing up and playing against each other throughout um, high school here in seven and eight, eight A. So I, I just, I don't see how they don't click. Uh, I would love to see them both come in at the same time. Um, talking to his mom at the tournament, it sounded like she had some conversations with Krauss and some of the other the, the other um, staff members at UMD. And it was a similar story. It was just like, he's going to be able to play right away when he comes in, but we just need him to get a little bit more mass and a little bit more legs under him. And I think he's you know reaping the green bay as well. So... Um, him and Guyon are are just two guys that could come in from the same uh, junior team and uh, be be an immediate impact player. And I know that we got to leave here really, really quick. I don't want to leave the defense out. Um, John Stout was another player I saw last year playing in Minnetonka again this year. Is somebody that is going to be incredible when he makes a jump. He's he's on the younger side right now, um, so I think it is going to be a little bit maybe one more year before we see him, um, but. Uh, he is proving to be an incredible asset, even at the defensive position. He's he's garnering a lot of attention in the state and in the hockey community in, in general. Um, so I'm, I'm very, very curious to see how that pans out. Um, and just in the last 10 seconds here, I got to shout out Max Plant as well. That's that's another one waiting in the wings there on that U17 team scoring goals against Minnesota when they played them. Uh, I, I can't wait to see that happen in the Bulldogs Marooning Bowl. So... Um, rambled on a little bit, but I had to get all those names out there as well. Also, shout out Ty Hanson. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you to one. Now, watch out for Jacob Toll. He's a guy that uh, is a puck moving defenseman yeah. from Rosemont. Uh, just a guy that really, at the end of the day, um, was I think a little bit overlooked a bit. Um, again, played a little bit of the null. Uh, when he came out of Rosemont High School, uh, really impressive. In fact, I got to call about 15 of his games. was incredible um, with his time there. Now moving up to the USHL. Again, big guy, six foot three. He's a little lanky, so he needs some mass. Uh, but his offensive instincts and the way that he can carry the play from his defensive zone, I think is really, really good. So uh, with that, we're going to switch on over to our CCHA folks who might be waiting in the wrong lobby, but we'll check that out later here. Max, second half of the NCHC about to get underway here next week. And uh, we'll be back with our CCHA crew here in just a moment.